Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Dallas Cowboys beat the Detroit Lions. And on top of that, the Eagles lost a game, which means the Cowboys are currently in the driver's seat for the NFC East Tonight, we'll talk about the game. We'll talk about why the NFL world is overreacting to the officiating chaos that happened late in the game in Dallas. And we'll break that down and much more. Let's get to it. Here we go. What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and hit the like button for me. If you enjoyed the show, welcome everyone on a Sunday night, the final night of 2023 and a great night to talk some Cowboys football because yesterday we had ourselves a game final score 20 to 19 Dallas Cowboys. But boy, oh boy, that final sequence from the moment that the Cowboys, you know, went up on the scoreboard with under two minutes to go. 20 to 13, or what you know, they were already up, but they extended the lead a little bit with Brandon Aubrey's 43-yard field goal. And then to have the Lions fire back, and then to have that whole thing that happened with the two-point conversion, which we will discuss today, and then have the aftermath of it as well, right? Where the Lions are going off on the officials, are bashing the officials. It feels like national TV has made the Cowboys like the thieves of the NFL. People are saying that they robbed the Detroit Lions or the Revs did at least uh, of that game, uh, which I believe to be an overblown storyline. I'm not going to lie. I think there is a large, you know, reason to be upset with Brad Allen, the referee of that game. But we'll talk about the details of the play and we'll talk about why it really wasn't a a huge deal. Uh, We'll talk about some injury updates as well. We'll talk about CeeDee Lamb's historic night. We'll talk about the defense being great and then some more notes uh, towards the end of the show. By the way, Dan Reyes over on Twitter, well, X has this question, which is any word on 73 Mr. Tyler Smith. So there was word on Tyler, and it's a weird, I I framed it as an odd injury update for ADC Sports because it was a little bit odd. So he tore his plantar fascia of of the foot. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sorry if I am not. Uh, But he tore the plantar fascia from his foot, and that seems to be a good thing, though, according to Ian Rappaport from NFL Network. Uh, in terms of availability, and when I say good thing, I mean better than him partially. 
tearing it. So the fact that it was a complete tear is better than a partial tear because maybe the rehab is quickly, or I'm not exactly sure what the reason is for that. However, uh, Rapchit used the following phrasing, though, for that news, and it was finally completely tore the plantar fascia. And the word finally in there kind of makes us think, you know what, Tyler Smith actually was dealing with something. That's the the how you could interpret that, in my opinion. Uh, it does sound like Tyler Smith should be available, though, for January. Uh, so, it, it I mean, they didn't give a time frame, so I'm may, maybe just being optimistic here. But Todd Arker from ESPN even reported that Tyler Smith wanted to go back in on Saturday night versus the Lions. So, chances are maybe he doesn't play Week 18, but he's back for the wild card round. It does seem like, per the reports, that his availability uh, will not be, you know, his his absence will not be very long. So hopefully that is the case. We'll see what happens. Uh, so far, though, I am guessing week 18 will be a little bit of a long shot, though, uh, for Tyler Smith. And we'll see what happens later. Uh, that sounds painful, of course. That sounds pretty painful. Uh, with that, all that being said, I don't think we have any more injury updates. I don't think the Cowboys went through more injuries in that game. Um Tyron Smith was okay. Zach Martin looked okay. So hopefully the Cowboys are all ready to go uh, for week 18 and maybe even get Jonathan Hankins back. Maybe. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Mike McCarthy's time management and Dan Quinn's coaching errors as well because I believe he had some uh, late in the game. However, let's get to the whole officiating chaos here. Let's get to it. Because, man, let me know in the chat. Are the Lions right or not right to be this pissed off? Because I don't know if you are aware, but they went off on officials after the game. Uh, Jared Goff straight up called the refs liars. Like, he didn't say that uh, word for word, but he basically contradicted everything that the officials had said. And he said, you know what? I don't care if I get fined. Taylor Decker had reported, and Skipper did not report. Dan Campbell told reporters that he went over the play with the officials before the game. And he said, I explained it to a T and he's handed like a piece of paper, which looks like the pool report with the explanation. And he basically crumbles up the piece of paper. And I don't, I don't remember he, if he uh, shoves it in his pocket or what he does with it, but he was pissed. Uh, Taylor Decker also said, I did report. So, there was a lot of controversy going on on Saturday night. And we'll get to the whole eligibility thing in a brief moment here. But I just want to put that out here. I just want to put this out here. I'm sure many of you have already seen this. But if you haven't, that drive that the Lions were complaining about does not even happen if this tripping call is not made on Peyton Hendershot at the bottom of the line of scrimmage there. You can see Hendershot try to block Aiden Hutchinson, and they called him for a tripping call. Now, if you're going to flag anybody on that play, it's got to be Hutchinson. And that's what I believe makes this worthy of being brought up. Look, Hendershot does not trip anybody. It's actually, I'm going to show it again, Hutchinson who, tried to, who tries to trip Tony Pollard. But the officials just called it on the wrong team. Now, 
if we were talking about a holding call that was not made, or if we were talking about a false start that was, or an, an offside, excuse me, which was not called, I wouldn't bring this up because missed, missed calls happen all the time. Every drive you can find calls that or, or penalties that should have been called that were not called. But to call one foul on the wrong team, that is worthy of being brought up. Now, that was a huge swing in the Dallas Cowboys' final drive because it was a situation where the Cowboys were at the 29-yard line and first and 10. Then the tripping penalty is called, and it's first and 25 on the 44-yard line of the, of the Lions. That's a huge difference. First and 25 on the 44 versus the 22 for the Lions on second and three, you're, where you have a very high likelihood of moving the chains. That's why I bring it up. So to me, you cannot go on and talk about the officials robbing the Lions from a win when they called a tripping in a wrong, to the wrong team and just, you know, didn't do anything about it, right? And again, I wouldn't be mentioning that tripping play if, say, Hendershot didn't commit tripping, but it was called tripping, right? Or if it was a situation where the Lions were offsides and the refs didn't call offsides, or they had a DPI, but they didn't call it. That's a different ball game. But to have the other team commit a penalty and then call it on the team that was the victim of that penalty, to put it one way, uh, that's, a, that's worthy of being brought up, in my opinion. That's part of it, right? And then let's talk about the eligibility play where Taylor Decker, the left tackle for the Lions, was called for illegal touching. That wiped away a two-point conversion that would have been the go-ahead score for Detroit with under 30 seconds to go, something like that. Uh, I think it was 28 seconds. But let's see what you guys have to say. Are the Lions right or not right to be pissed? Let's see what you guys have to say. Uh, Stevie Mack says, Lions, hey, shout out to Stevie Mack. Long time no see. Appreciate you being here, man. Stevie Mack says, Lions flat out shot themselves in the food and they should stop blaming the ref. So that's one take here. I think I've seen others here. Let's see. I saw some of your comments around here. Um, I just crawled up way too much. Toxic says, right, but get in line. Every team has been pissed at the refs. Stevie Max is not right. Multiple flags on the play. Lions did it to themselves. Bruce says, Mo, I don't care, to be honest. I heard the refs say was uh, 70 was eligible in a video, and we'll talk about that. Calvin says they're wrong because they missed the tripping call before that. Al says 70 lining up, nullify 68 being a tackle eligible. So Al saying that he believes they're not right. And by the way, we'll talk a little bit about that. And, you know, we'll talk about what happened and why the refs got it wrong, which they did. If, if we're being honest, the refs got it wrong, but the Lions should have known that they got it wrong. We'll talk about it here in a, in a little while. Katharina says, yes, they are, I think, but we're always getting the bad end of the stick. So a win is a win. So the way that I would break this down, the way that I would break this down, and let me see if I can toss up a picture here on the screen of what happened in that moment, because I had some in my computer. Let me see if, if I saved some of them. 
Uh, I actually don't think I did. All right, this one, but this might be a weird picture. Let's let's toss it up on the screen very quickly. So this is uh, this is actually the exact screenshot that I was looking for. This is, you know, you get you get uh, Decker and Sewell, the guys that are close to the ref on the picture. They're walking to Brad Allen, the referee, to report themselves as eligible, right? And then number 70, who is a skipper, is coming off of the sideline as an additional lineman. And you cannot see it there, but when you see the video and, and look at his arms right there, he, he basically is doing this. Like he, he is, I'm going to stand up here very quickly. He, he has his hands like to his belly because the, the motion to, to report as eligible is to wipe away like your jersey number. So they go and they do that, right? That's how it works. And man, if you're walking to the field like that, it's because you're onto something. You're, you're trying to fool the Cowboys, which is dumb in its own way. And we'll talk about why in a second. But if you look at the picture, the referee is looking at Skipper and he's pointing at him. That part is key to this whole situation because football Sivras on Twitter slash X actually explained this. And he said, you know, and it's a former official who is making the explanation on that website. And he's explaining that, yeah, maybe this is a situation where the Lions are trying to fool the Cowboys and Decker is actually the one that's going to report as eligible to the ref, not 70. But if 70 is walking onto the field trying to fake out the Cowboys by put, putting his hands on his belly, it's only logical that the ref could make a mistake, even if they explained it to him pre-game. Now, the point is feedback for the players. The point is confirmation from the ref that I'm looking at you, I'm pointing at you, you are reporting as eligible. He's not pointing at Decker, and he doesn't point at Decker at any point on that tape. Never does. And it, per rule, he's got a point to him because that's confirmation from the ref. It's like when wide receivers walk up to the line of scrimmage, turn to the ref and point to them, and then the refs give them the thumbs up. It's similar. It's similar to that, right? They, they got to make sure, and Football Sivras described it as, it's on the players. It is 100% on the players to receive feedback from the ref. And the ref never gave Decker feedback. He gave it to Skipper, and they didn't notice it. Not only that, on the speakers at AT&T Stadium, they announced 70 as eligible. I'm not saying that, you know, they're going to hear that right on the field, the players at least. I don't know if the coaches could hear it, maybe. But the Lions never got a confirmation on that play. I understand being pissed off at the officials because you can see what the Lions are doing and, and you know, it was maybe savvy. That's arguable, and we'll get into why in a, in a sec here. But they were just trying to catch the Cowboys off guard. And I understand that if Decker walks up to the ref and, you know, he tells the ref, I'm reporting as eligible, and maybe the ref didn't hear him right, which is clearly what happened, right? You look at the pool report and the whole explanation for the play not working out and the Lions being called for it. The whole explanation is Brad Allen, the referee, is saying 70 reported, 68 didn't. 
it's not an explanation where Alan is saying, oh, two of them reported, so, you know, you cannot do that. That's not what happened. Brad Allen is just saying six, uh, 70 is the guy who reported. 68 didn't report, and then 68 lined up as an ineligi uh, ineligible receiver. Right? So my whole point here is the Lions should have gotten confirmation. They didn't. Should have done something about it. But I also understand being pissed off because in the first place, the referee should hear what is going on and maybe should be more focused in what's going on on the field. So I get that part of the frustration from the Lions, especially if they went over it pregame. Now, for those of you who are unaware, that is just like, you know, what happens. Like the, the, the NFL coaching staffs go to the referees and they point out certain stuff that they're going to do. If they're going to run a trick play, they go over it with the officials just to be sure, just for them to be on the same page. If something weird is going to happen, they don't want the referees blowing it up because of a dumb decision, right? Or, or because they didn't catch a player telling them that, hey, I am eligible, which is what happened on the field. And in that sense, it makes sense for them to be pissed off. We would be pissed off if the other thing, if it had happened uh, the other way. Now, Al says here, rule allows only one to report. And the point is only one reported, right? The Lions were trying to have Taylor uh, Decker report, not Skipper. But the ref saw Skipper coming on of the field, which he had done multiple times by then in the game, and with his hands on his belly. And the referee was confused and was like, oh, yeah, he's going to report. I'm going to confirm it. And we're going to move on with the play, right? So it wasn't even that two guys reported and the refs were like, uh-uh, you cannot do that. That's not what happened. They just, Brad Allen thought it was 70 who was reporting. Now, with all that being said, I believe the answer to are they right or are they not right is somewhere in between because you should be pissed off at something like this happening, in my opinion. But also, 70 was reported as eligible on the speaker's point happened to number 70. They should have caught that, in my opinion. They should have caught that. And on top of it all, and this is, this is where I'm like a little bit... Where I will allow myself to make some fun of the Detroit Lions, you know that meme where the guy is in the on the whiteboard and he's like, "If you f around to a level of seven, you're gonna find out to a level of seven. Man, that meme was the Lions sending three linemen to the referee to confuse the Cowboys, only to confuse the ref. The, the, uh, <laughs> because man. Otherwise, why would they have three offensive linemen going to the ref, right? They've got Decker and Sewell in the area. And Sewell and Decker, I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, Decker is 68 and Sewell is 58. So there, there is something going on there where they're trying to confuse the, the Cowboys, especially because of the way that uh, Sewell and, uh, ends up uh, lining up right with 70 taking the right tackle spot and then Sewell being like flexed out a little bit of the offensive line if you see the replay you can catch that I don't have a clip of that nor a screenshot so I'm sorry about that so the point here is the Lions are trying to be very conscious about what they're doing and they're trying to confuse 
Dallas. And they end up confusing the ref. So, you know, they, they effed around and they found out is what I'm trying to say here. Now, I think it's a little bit weird when you are going to get the referee walk up to the defense and be like, it's 70 or it's whoever reported as eligible. The referee is going to tell the Cowboys defense. It's going to be announced on the stadium. So why are you trying to fool Dallas when it's going to be crystal clear who is reporting? Maybe they want to catch them off guard. Maybe they want to make them doubt a little bit. Was it 68? Was it 58? Wait a minute. Why is 58 flexed out like that? What is going on? Maybe that's what happened there in that game. But anyways, man, the more you have around, as Bruce is saying here in the chat, the more you're going to get to find out. And that's what happened on, on Saturday night. Uh, still, that was chaotically fun. Like, now that our heads are cooler and now that, you know, the stress of the game is behind us, that was that was electric. <laughs> that was an electric sweet sequence for the game where you had the Cowboys driving down the field and uh, then you had the Lions firing back and then three attempts at a two-point conversion because then the Lions go crazy and they're like, oh, yeah, even with the penalty, we're going to we're we're going for the two points, which I respect. You know, <laughs> Dan Campbell is crazy. He is insane. When, when, when he did that, I was like, oh, OK, because that was from what? That was from the uh, let's see here. That was from the seven yard line and they were going for two seven yards out of the goal line. Uh, anyways, Michael Parsons has the offsides, run it back and then the Cowboys just played defense, do their thing. And it's an incomplete pass. Uh, to Mitchell, number 82 for the Lions. Now, let's talk about how we got there because there are two things that are difficult for us to really understand. Uh, McCarthy has been, you know, catching some hate, understandably so, because of how he handled that last part of the game. And we're going to get to Dan Queen, but let's go to Mike McCarthy first. That was some weird time management, man. It really was weird time management. You know, you get the ball back with what was it? So Donovan Wilson intercepts the football with 2.11 on the clock. He makes a play 2.11 on the clock. And you have the ball at the 26-yard line for the Detroit Lions. Then the Cowboys have this situation where they run the ball with Tony Pollard. And that's the play that we were looking at earlier where they're going to be called for a tripping, which didn't happen. And then you get first and 25. First and 25, and you throw the football. Throw the football to CeeDee Lamb. You get 11 yards. I kind of understand that, right? It was an easy throw and catch. Getting a position where, you know, you at least get into field goal range. I'm all for it. And then after that play where you throw the football to CeeDee Lamb, you get second and 14, and you're throwing the ball. And you're throwing the ball on a go route. Right. And I look at that play and it feels like an alert alert for those of you who 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 uh, might not be super in tune with the with the whole uh, football terminology is like something that's part of the read progression. But it's not like your usual one two. it's like if I get this look, I'm going to this guy and the Cowboys get a cover one seemingly from the Lions and 
Dak is like immediately go route to Brandon Cooks. And maybe as he said, he's got to be a little bit smarter than that and go even against the play call, right? And maybe be like, you know what? This is the play call, but even though I'm getting cover one, I'm still going to go through something a little bit less aggressive and try to control the clock. Maybe Dak shares some blame in that, but it's still the play call. It is still the play call that went through the headset. And you know Dak is a gunslinger. He's going to let it rip if he sees that. Uh, so I don't like that play call at all on second and 14. And then you get third and 14, throw the football to Jake Ferguson over the middle, trying to secure maybe that uh, field goal range that you wanted. But man, it was rough. It was rough time management when you get the ball with just a little bit over two minutes left to go and you're handing the ball back to the Lions. That just should not happen at all in the NFL. And it's not new. Man, if you've been watching Mike McCarthy coach, even before his Dallas Cowboys days, even when he was with the Green Bay Packers, even when he was being successful with the Green Bay Packers, time management was always the issue with uh, with, with Mike McCarthy. He, he's just not really good at it. And, you know... This is a good comment here from Troy because I've struggled with it. Troy says, you know, Mike McCarthy had no choice. Non-existent running game. And although I agree in the sense that nobody trusted the running game at that point in the game, you know, it had been a struggle all night long for Dallas, especially on first down. It was ugly. This was the situation where you had to run. Right. And you look at the rest of the game, and the Cowboys insisted with their first down runs before that final drive. Let me put it to you in numbers. Uh, before that, no, it's actually before the, the second to last drive, the one where they get the ball back with around five minutes on the fourth quarter. There was a tweet from Warren Sharp, which noted that the Cowboys were averaging 2.1 yards per carry on first down when they were 11. 11 throwing the football on first down and they still insisted on going back to running the ball and running the ball and running the ball and it was so wild that I felt like anecdotally I spent all night long being like can we freaking stop with the first down runs only for the Cowboys to really stop running the ball when they had to run the ball at the end of the game so it was frustrating to watch uh, I understand wanting to be aggressive. I understand not trusting your running game. But if you're going to throw the football, can it not be a go route on second and 14? You know, if it was a screen pass on second and 14, hey, I'm good with that. If it's like an expansion hitch right to the field side, I'm good with that. If it's like a motion play where you're just going to toss it to CD or something like that, I'm good with that. But if it's a go route, down the sideline to Brandon Cooks on second and 14. I'm, I'm, I don't like, I really don't like. Um, so that was definitely frustrating. And then comes Dan Queen drive, right? So I, it's, it's a game where I'm not going to lie. It feels like, it, man, the, the comments are going crazy right now. Uh, I'm going to get to the comments in a little bit. Maybe, maybe not, maybe not those comments, but, <laughs> uh, I think this was a game that the coaches were, you know, I tweeted this out. The coaches lost you this game. 
uh, the players just refused to, to have it be a loss. And then they got some help, uh, timely help from the referees maybe in messing it up for the Detroit Lions. But overall, I thought that the coaches cost, were about to cost you the game because you had that McCarty moment in the game and then Dan Quinn all of a sudden says, oh yeah, let's go to prevent defense because that has never gone wrong, right? And he starts giving the Lions all sorts of cushion. And, you know, I think that you don't do that in general, but then to do it against the Lions who have so many playmakers on their offense, it just felt incredibly silly from Dallas, right? They started just taking what the Cowboys gave them, right? They started attacking the middle of the field. It was easy throws and runs for the Cow for the Lions. They were just getting every completion. It looked very easy. And they just moved away from the press coverage stuff. They moved away from blitzing. Suddenly, it was like, you know, take what you want and have fun with it. And it was so, so, so uh, easy for Detroit in that final sequence. And then they scored the touchdown and then the whole two-point conversion extravaganza, as Mike McCarthy called it post-game, took place. But I also hated that from Dan Queen. I'm not going to lie. I love Dan Queen. You guys know it. I think that uh, he's been so good for the Cowboys just overall since he got here. I know the Cowboys are struggling in some areas this year, but I still believe uh, he's a real deal for Dallas, defensively speaking. But that final sequence where he went to prevent defense, man, that that all got you in that position in the first place to where the Lions were able to score. Uh, the Cowboys should have won by a full touchdown, in my opinion, man. That should have been a 17-13 type of game uh, or 20-13 to 13 type game. But it, it is what it is. It shouldn't take away from the good that the Cowboys did in this game. And we'll talk about that shortly here. But let, first, uh, let me say hi in the comments. Let me see see some of your stuff here because I know uh, you guys are are active right now in the chat. Troy says way too much time, way too much time in the game to play shell. Says Troy, and if you're gonna play shell coverage, man, just don't give them ten yard cushions, right? That's what that's what ugh, hated it. Uh, Ravi says Cowboys beat up on offensive lines, uh, so this game is a must against Washington. And boy, we'll talk about we'll talk about Washington. Obviously, we'll talk about it this week, uh, but also we'll talk about the two seat conversation uh, before we get out of here tonight. Man, it is New Year's Eve, and I am very appreciative of every one of you who is tuning into the show tonight. Uh, it means a lot to me. You know, when it's a big night like this and a lot of stuff is going on everywhere, uh, to have you guys here, man, it means everything to me. Just wanted to let you know that and hey if you like the show if you like what you're seeing do me a favor and hit the like button for me and uh i appreciate that too marshmallow coverage just frederick hey that's a good way to put it that is definitely a good way to put it uh bottom line sports says soft defense was a mistake so was the city lamb fumble into the end zone and speaking of that we can move on now and we can talk about cd man because holy smokes you know how good of a game you need to have to have a goal line fumble and people still be like, yeah, that was an epic game from CeeDee Lamb. He had 227 yards receiving, added another five yards rushing the ball, and had a touchdown, should have been two, 
man, you know, CD kept it real when he talked to reporters after the game and he was like, man, when you try to make a play every time, this is going to happen here and there. And I understand CD, you know what? He's earned the right to make a mistake like that. Uh, people hate that NFL rule. Uh, we had a discussion about it on ADC Sports in, the, in our Slack chat. Uh, I like it. I don't mind the touchback fumble rule. I understand people be, are like, you know, why would you benefit the defense for, for that? I don't know why you would give the offense a second chance. So I kind of uh, understand it. I do think it was a, a fumble for, for CD. I do think it should have been a touchback and all that. I, I knew right away. I, I looked to my brother, and my brother and I have talked about the touchback rule so much, man, over the years. And we were both like, man, that's a touchback, bro. That's a touchback. And it sucked. But Lamb, bro, cannot be stopped. And I like that the Cowboys were once again motioning him. I like that once again the Cowboys were using him on the outside. They were using him on the inside. They were moving him around. Let's see if I can get you the actual numbers for that now that we're talking about it. So CD had, man, CD, do you remember? And I, I want to I pat myself in the back for this one. Ourselves in the pat for this one. Uh, this might be CD's heaviest game out wide, according to the numbers. If you guys remember our Thursday show, we talked a lot about, yeah, it is. Holy smokes. All right, here, here you go. Here you go. Sorry, I'm just gathering my thoughts here very quickly. We talked on Thursday about the idea of maybe wanting to keep CD outside of the slot because Brian Branch could easily be the best cornerback that the Lions have. And so much so that they even were trying something new with their cornerbacks, the Lions were, uh, on this game. And we talked about that on Thursday. Well, this was the game that percentage-wise, CD has played the least in the slot all season long. 43% in the slot for CD this time around. That's 18 snaps against against uh, 24 snaps out wide, which is 57% for, for CD. That should tell you a lot about what the Cowboys were thinking on this one. They wanted him, they wanted it uh, outside, and boy, did he do damage. He had 13 catches, 227 yards, a touchdown out of his 13 catches. Seven of them went for first downs. He had 14 missed tackles. And then there was the insane play that he had for 92 yards and a touchdown. That was insane, man. Uh, just the chemistry that Dak and Prescott, that, that Dak and City have shown throughout the weeks this season of the shards. The scramble drill. When they're both on the scramble drill, it just works so, so good. You know, City's running a post route towards the middle of the field. Notices Dak is uh, scrambling immediately, turns to the right, bits man coverage, and Dak just is like, F it. CD is down there somewhere. Launches the ball, and CD is out there just like, boom. Grabs it easily, and it's just uh, one of those plays that really goes to show you how special their chemistry is right now. I don't think... It was very late in the season. We started talking about that maybe around week eight, week nine, that we were like, you know what? There might not be a better duo right now in the league between QB and pass catcher. 
than these two right now. I, I still believe that. You know, Kelsey in Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, they're not having their year. They could be like the usual rivals for that type of relationship, for that type of duo. I don't think there's a better duo right now in the league. Uh, maybe like Tua and Tyreek Hill, but I think they just do a lot of the same, right? And it's not a knock on them. They, they have done a tremendous job this year. San Francisco is just too many weapons. There's not like that specific duo that they like to tap into. CD and Dak just are like this traditional quarterback pass catcher relationship where they just understand each other and they know what the other one is thinking. And you love to see that. You love to see that. Uh, that was on full display. You obviously know about the records, right? Now, CD Lamb has the single season record in franchise history. And it's a storied franchise at wide receiver. He has a single season record for catches. And he has a single season record for receiving yards. And I thought it was great for him to do it in week 17. Because now we can we can save ourselves from that whole conversation about, oh, it's now a week extra. So that's why it was even easier for him to get to have it done. But man, City did this within 17 games and gotta love it. Gotta love it. He's had he's had so many games, man, where he's gone off over 100 yards, and now he had 227. Uh just otherworldly stuff from CeeDee Lamb. Uh, by the way, I love this quote from Dak Prescott after the game where he said, let me, let me try to let me try to find it very quickly. He's just really getting going, and I can tell you as long as I'm here, he'll probably stack these records each and every year, to be honest with you. So this is only the beginning. I love that confidence from Dak post-game, right? I love it. He said he's continuing to get better, wants to get better, hungry to get better, hungry for the ball, has one of the hungriest mindsets that I've been around in the in this game of football, and it's fun. Obviously, with a similar mindset, when the ball is in your hands, I can definitely understand and relate. So it makes it easy, makes my job easy, and he's special. High praise there from Dak to CD and not underserved. You know, I was talking with my brother the other day about CD also going off after last week's game and taking a subtle shot. We had a show about it here on Primetime to the offense and being like, you know what? I want the ball. Give me the ball. If you're going to get me involved, then keep me involved. It's exactly what he said, actually, after the loss to the Dolphins. And he's that kind of guy that has earned the right to make those sort of comments, in my opinion. He's a number two, he's a, a true number one wide receiver, and he should be able to be upset when he isn't targeted. Because, man, insane numbers from his part there. Uh, Coyote says, he is a top wide receiver. Tell me who is better right now. Honestly, this year, I'd still put Tyreek over him. I think Tyreek is great. I'm not going to put Tyreek below him. I think there are some guys that are in that conversation, though. Uh, guys like Justin Jefferson, who I know has missed a lot of games, and maybe it's a little bit weird. Uh, but Justin Jefferson is in that combo. I think... Uh, I would say A.J. Brown, but, you know, it's not his fault that the offense is just chaotic right now. I'm not saying A.J. Brown and, and is better than C.D. because I would rank him above A.J., but Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson maybe are the guys. that. But the fact that these are the only guys that we're putting above him right now. And Jamar Chase, man. J Jamar Chase, again, 
not his fault, whatever is going on in Cincy, you know, with Joe Burrow injury and everything. But right now, I, I would struggle to leave out CeeDee Lamb from the top five, right? Just thinking about subjectively who are your top wide receivers. Because Troy here is saying, you know, who has the most yards? And give me a second and I'll tell you exactly who. Uh, but I'm not sure if these are going to be updated, though, now that I'm thinking about it. Because it's PFF, right? And PFF might not have uh, updated some of these wideouts. But CeeDee right now, top in the league, actually, again, I don't think these are updated, though, for, for guys that uh, play today. But City, after last night's game, was first in the league with 1,651 yards. Uh, Tyreek Hill should be first, though. Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill should be first after today. I'm trying to, trying to find it very quickly here. But I, I just can't find, like, the receiving yards. Why can't I? Let's see here. Uh, wide receivers, I guess. Man, the, the the I don't know why this is acting up on me. Oh. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Man. All right. Sorry about that. So I had defense. I, I was on the defense page of the general system of information and statistics for, for the uh, NFL page. You know, maybe that was it. Maybe that's why I didn't find the receiving yards. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, man, CD is actually still above Tyreek Hill. That's insane. Dan says, Mo Dak is MVP in my book. Man, it's a tough conversation. Like, he has the numbers edge over somebody like Lamar. Toxic says that I'm already smashed. No, man, not yet, but it's New Year's Eve. So maybe in a little bit, maybe in a little bit, we'll have some fun. Not not yet, though. <laughs> Anyways, guys, CeeDee Lamb, historic night, just awesome. Would have been even better with a second touchdown, right? Without the fumble, that would have been insane. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, one of the highest scoring players on championship weekend in fantasy football world. Uh, but let's... No, no toxic. No, sir. Just going to say no to the chat right now on YouTube. Uh, but all, all that being said, man, let's move on here. And some more notes. The defense. Got to give it up for the defense. I did not expect that kind of performance for Dan Quinn's unit versus the Lions. I just didn't expect it. I let you guys know last week that this was a very good offense that the Cowboys were about to face that they had some playmakers, that they had some yards after the catch. Amon Ross and Brown, the real deal. We talked about Sam Laporta. We talked about uh, Jameer Gibbs. And statistically, they had a pretty decent day. You know, they averaged 6.3 yards per play, which is slightly better than the Cowboys. They had 420 total yards, which is significantly more than the Cowboys' 384. They had more first downs. But third down defense, man. Third down defense, 4 of 13 for the Lions. And keep in mind, that's 31% when they are a top five or they were a top five offense in the red zone entering week 17. The Cowboys just didn't allow a whole lot. They bend it but didn't break, uh, which is usually what they've been doing as of late. Even against the Dolphins, it was more of the same. Two for four in the red zone for the Lions. Uh, they had some explosive plays, but definitely not as much as maybe they thought they were going to have. 
five plays where they had uh, runs longer than 10 yards, which is pretty solid for them, not going to lie. Like, that was a very good day for them. However, man, Cowboys were just making tackles. They were making tackles for losses specifically. And they had this situation where it wasn't only Micah Parsons and the Marcus Lawrence having great nights. It was Jordan Lewis. And it was Donovan Wilson. And it was Stephon Gilmore, I think, also had a pretty solid outing now that I think about it. Um, Stephon Gilmore did well. Donovan Wilson did well, right? Had an interception too. Dante Fowler had a tackle for a loss. That, that Dante Fowler play was pretty crazy because that whole thing is about having a split a split flow blocker, right? That's the, the tight end going underneath the offensive line and trying to catch the backside defensive end. And Fowler just lips through Laporta. He's like, you see me, now you don't see me. And we saw several of those plays in this game. Lawrence was lipping through offensive linemen. And this is the fourth best rushing offensive line in the NFL, or it was entering the game. It's a legit unit, right? And D-Law was lipping through them. Micah Parsons was putting them on blast as usual. Micah Parsons was insane in this game, and, and we always say that, but now he was great against the run too. And there's like this dumb narrative where people are like, oh, once you start running at Micah, He's done. People are confusing that. Like when people say that, they are thinking of teams running away from Micah or making him the key defender on read option plays or stuff like that. It's not that Micah gets eaten in the box, right? It's not that he doesn't set the edge. Micah was moved around on this one a whole lot, especially at the line of scrimmage. But he stayed at the line of scrimmage and he was just, he, he just balled out against the, uh, Against the run, Micah did. He he was insane, man. He was insane. Had 61 plays on the defensive line, six on the box. Many of them, you know, with with him creeping towards the line of scrimmage and all that. Man, he he proved doubters wrong as a run defender on Saturday night, and that was pretty exciting as well. There were some plays where the Lions tried to do their usual, you know, counter stuff or trap stuff, where they have pulling linemen, but the Cowboys kept the pressure on them. And a lot of those plays just were broken up immediately. And there, there was almost a huge tackle made by Sam Williams, like six yards in the backfield, because they were running, you know, pulling linemen. And the Cowboys are blitzing. And they're just getting right into the, 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 the plays on the backfield. And they had, man, I don't even know how many tackles for losses they had. But let's count them here very quickly. According to the official like stats from NFL, it wasn't even that much. It was uh, five tackles for losses. But it sure felt like much more because the Cowboys were stuffing the run. Maybe didn't uh, maybe didn't uh, do it like right in there, but uh, right, right behind the line of scrimmage, excuse me, but like around the line of scrimmage. Huge game for the defense, man. Let me read some of your super chats here very quickly. Because I see a lot of people are celebrating the uh, anniversary for their membership. So let's get to it. We obviously need to use this sound effect, especially this weekend of all weekends. How about them, Cowboys? 
We've got Gregory just celebrating the membership. Oh, you're going to see it in Spanish because <laughs> I have it in Spanish. Uh, I have my software in Spanish. So you see miembro por 12 meses. You don't see member for 12 months. Uh, Joy Bella. How about them, Miembro por 11 meses. <laughs> LFG, he says. And then we've got uh, Toxic Tom here. How about them, Saying, Mo, was at a family party today with lots of, cow of Philly fans. I saw the seven stages of Griff in a three-hour span. And pure joy for my cold, toxic heart. Man, the Eagles are struggling. I, I forgot we were going to even get into that today. Uh, the, the Cowboys are the number two seed in the NFC after the Lions, the, the Eagles, excuse me, lost to the Cardinals. <laughs> Man, I remember, I, I imagine, excuse me, seeing that up close, toxic. That should have been fun for you. That should have been fun. Just, just sitting back. And watching the chaos and enjoying it, man, you have A.J. Brown talking to reporters after the game and being like, oh, yeah, that sequence where we had a draw followed by a draw and then we had the short pass on third and long. Yeah, that wasn't conservative play calling. Nick Sirianni just said that to reporters earlier today. You can find the clip on Twitter. He, he said that. You had A.J. Brown telling reporters there's nothing to say. The Eagles are collapsing in an epic way right now. It's it's one of those things where you see the point differential and you see the efficiency numbers and you see the one-score games that they've won. And it's easy to go back and be like, the Eagles might have been frauds. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not a good team. They are a good team. And you know what? With that offensive line, with that little thing that they can do when they get on third and short and they can move the chains automatically, and with A.J. Brown and Devontae's made on the boundaries, they can still deal some damage in the playoffs. You know, they could be some of the better teams in the NFC, right? They're that kind of a team. They've got the roster to do it. But that coaching staff is not making it easy on the Eagles at all, right? That's why they've lost many of their games recently. I think it's four out of their last five. Uh, yeah, four out of their last five with the one exception being the Giants game, in which they struggled at Philly. I'm not sure they're beating the Giants next weekend, if I'm being honest with you, right? So, anyways, the, the Eagles lost to the Cardinals once again, making their lives so much harder than it has to do to be. Uh, Nick Sirianni still does not want to use motion. They still don't want to do a lot of things that would make them a better offense. For example looking for more explosives in the running game. They're just not doing any of that right now. So, <clears throat> man, they, they, they're struggling in many ways, and it's mainly because of the coaching staff, I believe. Now, that being said, though, that being said, we're going to talk about the commanders a whole lot because I don't know, man. I, I remember a thing or two that has gone wrong in Washington in Week 18. <laughs> so... So the Cowboys still got to take care of business. So let's not celebrate that number two seed as if it's a, a done deal because it's definitely not a done deal. Now, they're going to be big favorites, 13 and a half per the oddsmakers right now. That's the same number the San Francisco 49ers were favored by this week, actually. And they played in Washington as well. They won 27 to 10. Cowboys and Commanders is going to be a game that I hope doesn't get 
uh, complicated. It shouldn't. The Cowboys are the much better team. They should go to Washington and just run them over. We'll see if they do that. Uh, now, a lot of people have been discussing, you know, which is better, the seventh, the, the second seed or the fifth seed, right? Betsy says, do we play all healthy players? Hell yeah, it's a must-win game. It's a must-win game. You, you have the number two seed, but you got to secure it. It's a non-discussion, in my opinion. You got to go ahead and you got to win it, right? So let's assume the Packers are winning today. Let's assume the Packers are winning today, and let's talk about the two seed and the fifth seed here very quickly. Because I've seen some people be like, you know what? I would much rather have the, I would much rather have the, the fifth seed because the fifth seed will travel to face the a the NFC South champion, likely the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Even if it's on the road, some people say. I would much rather face Tampa than the Rams. That is the argument. I'm not saying that. That's that's what some people are saying. Now the Rams also, you know, they 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 almost lost to the Giants. So let's not start overrating the Rams. They're a good team. They're not better than the Cowboys, though. But let's play with it right here. If the season ended today, the Cowboys would be facing the Green Bay Packers in the wild card round at home. And I'm not scared about the Packers. They're not the boogeyman. The boogeyman was Aaron Rodgers, not the Packers. I would be, I would be, man, scared straight if it was Aaron Rodgers still quarterback in Green Bay, but it isn't. It isn't. It's Jordan Love. It's Joe Barry's defense. Not scared about Green Bay in the wild card round. But if we go to week 18, if we go to week 18, man, and the Niners beat the Rams, which is likely, and the Packers beat the Bears, which is also likely, then you would face the Rams in the wildcard round at AT&T Stadium. Some people are scared about the Rams, and I get it. It's Matthew Stafford. It's Cooper Cup. It's Puka. It's a dangerous team. I get it. I really do. Uh, however, however, man, you know, I just look at this game, and I'm like, it's a tough one. But it's one where I would be relatively comfortable about the Cowboys winning it. And if I am the number two seed in the NFC, I know for a fact who I am not facing in the divisional round. And maybe that sounds a little bit mediocre, but I don't care about it. That Maybe that sounds a little bit, uh, uh, makes me sound a little bit of a, of a coward, but I don't care. I don't face the Niners in the divisional round. And if I want to get to where I want to get, I still need to go to San Francisco and I still need to beat them in the NFC Championship game, right? But I've never seen an NFC Championship game in my life for the Cowboys. <laughs> so if we're keeping it real, yeah, I would much rather delay that as much as possible. Plus, that gives me two games where something wild can happen and maybe the, the Niners can be upset by somebody and the Cowboys can host the NFC Championship game. Not saying that I think it will happen, but yeah. Anyways, if the Rams do win though versus San Francisco in week 18, which could happen because the Niners have clinched the number one seed, by the way, then and even if Green Bay wins, then the Cowboys would still face the Packers in the postseason. So, you know, I'm fine with being the number two seed. I don't want to go on the road in the playoffs. I don't care if it's against Tampa Bay, if it's against the Saints, I don't care about any of that. I, I want to play at home 
in the playoffs. So I'm happy with what we've got right now uh, for Dallas, with what with what things are looking like for Dallas. I didn't expect. I mean, I I knew it could happen, but I didn't think it would happen uh, about the Eagles losing a game. It's insane to me that the Cowboys are now going to win the NFC East. Apparently, apparently, assuming that the Cowboys beat the Commanders in Week 18, which they should, uh, life is great. And, you know, people are going to want to knock the Cowboys for whatever happened with the um, officiating. Even Cowboys fans are going to be upset at how things were handled at the end of the game. And I'm fine with that. You do you. But, man... Also enjoy the 11th win of the freaking season and the number two seed. You are one of the best teams in the NFL. And if you're scared about San Francisco, don't let that get in the way of enjoying an 11-win team and probably a 12-win team, the third straight 12-win team in the Dallas Cowboys. That's not normal in the NFL. I'm just going to say that. It's not the end goal, but it's still not normal. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to the show tonight. I appreciate you. Somebody said that I did a show over 35 minutes, uh, but I cannot find where where, where that comment is. Uh, but man, it, there are a lot we needed to talk about a whole lot today. So I'm glad we did that. Uh, we've also got uh, a lot of people saying, you know, that we've had a high rating tonight and I, and we did by the way i appreciate you do me a favor and hit the like button so this show can still be put in front of more and more people that was mark aaron that makes sense mark that that makes a whole lot of sense uh happy new year to you guys uh 2023 was something it was an intense year it was a very hard year at times but man doing prime time every single night uh it is a job but it's a heck of a job it's it, it's really fun Ladies and gentlemen, FYI, I'm always going to be live till midnight. No, we're not. No, we, we are not. Uh, we're going to have some fun with the family. going to have some fun. We're going to play some board games. Going to drink a little bit, maybe. Uh, I mean, you know, some, some you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink some root beer is what I mean. Anyways, I'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. Oh, where, where's my sound effect? Oh, damn. Here we go. Here we go. See you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central, and have some fun. Have some fun today, but if you drink, do not drive, man. Do not drive, and stay safe. Thanks so much. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.